be seated. Father, that is our prayer. Show us Christ. Show us your glory. Show us your beauty. Open our eyes. Help us to see. Thank you for gathering us this morning. As your body, as your bride, thank you for gathering us around your table and laying before us this banquet table of your beauty, of your glory, of your truth. And I pray you'd feed us this morning. Help us to feast on your truth in such a way that we would not want to turn away into myths and to things that are untrue. But that you would show us yourself, show us your plan, show us your purpose, show us your designs in your word, that we might obey you, that we might know you, that we might proclaim you. Thank you for each and every person that's here gathered in this room. I pray indeed that everyone would confess that Christ is Lord. I pray everyone in this room would confess Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, as their boss. Pray that you would open your word to us now. Show us your good design to help us to feast on your truth. I need your help now. I confess my dependence upon you. Pray for your grace and for your help now. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we decided to preach a few sermons on the subject of why we gather... I immediately made a list of about 10 to 12 biblical reasons to answer that question. And at some point in my brainstorming, I had the bright idea to Google the question, why go to church, just to see what others were saying, just to see what was out there. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of unhelpful ways that people answer this question of why we gather. One of the articles that I fell upon made this point, and I quote from it. Quote, research shows that people who regularly attend church report stronger social networks and less depression. They smoke less and lead healthier and even stronger lives. In a very real and physical way, here's how it ended, going to church is literally good for your health. Going to church is literally good for your health. So there you have it. If you want to smoke less and live longer and have stronger social networks, go to church. And even though I don't disagree that being committed to a good church will impact your physical health, we are, after all, holistic creatures... I'm more concerned, and I believe God is more concerned with your spiritual health. Your physical health is very important. We spend a lot of time and energy and effort and money on our physical health. It is very important. But your spiritual health is a million times more important. And so this morning, I want to clearly show you in Scripture and declare to you that one of the reasons we gather for corporate worship like this is in order to feast on God's word proclaimed. 
We gather to hear the preaching of God's word, and that is the God-appointed means of growing us spiritually. That is the God-appointed means of feeding us and making us strong and healthy as Christians. The preached word is the nutritious and delicious meal that we gather to partake of Sunday after Sunday. Now, there are certainly other things we do when we gather. There are other reasons we gather regularly, but this is one of the most important parts of our gathering, the preaching of God's Word. All week, every week, we are fed by the world. We are constantly nibbling at the buffet that the world holds out for us. We hear the news and the blogs and the social media posts, and we are entertained by the values of our culture. We feast on a lot of things every week, but the most important voice we listen to is the voice of our God in His authoritative and infallible Word. So at least one time every week, at least one time every week for about 30 or 35 minutes, we all stop what we're doing and we listen to God. We all sit here in these pews and we bend our ear and we bend our heart to the voice of our God feeding us on His holy word. That's what we're going to do right now. So the definitive text on the importance of the preached word when God's people gather is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. The definitive command on the preaching of God's word in all of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, in the context of the local church, in the context of the gathering of God's people, the Apostle Paul commands Timothy to, quote, preach the word. Preach the word. And so let's look at the entire context, the entire text around this command to preach the word. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, and I'm going to read all the way to chapter 4, verse 4. So this is one of the few places in Scripture that I think the chapter breaks are unhelpful. These chapter breaks are very helpful. They help us. So like right now I can tell you, turn to chapter 3, verse 14. That's really useful. But here this chapter break shouldn't be here because this entire text is all flowing together right here. There's no break. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning in verse 14, this is the word of God. Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience 
and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is the Word of God. May God write its truth on our hearts. Well, if we were to keep reading in chapter 4 here, we would see that Paul is at the end of his life. His race is coming to an end. And so Paul leaves Timothy with the charge to declare God's Word faithfully. Notice Paul does not tell Timothy to be trendy or to be creative in order to reach more people. He doesn't tell Timothy to be gimmicky or relevant. He doesn't tell Timothy to draw a crowd. He doesn't tell Timothy to start a dialogue. He charges Timothy with the sacred task of preaching the God-breathed word to God's people. And Timothy is to do that whether the people want to hear it or not. And notice the seriousness with which Paul delivers this command in chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and by His kingdom, preach the Word. Since I know of no other command in Scripture that is introduced with this kind of high-voltage language. I know of no other command that's prefaced with this kind of high-voltage charge. In fact, notice at least four intensifications that introduce us to this command. First, Paul says, I charge you. This is not a mere suggestion. This is not a recommendation. This is a solemn charge, like giving an oath. Just as a young soldier receives the charge from his commanding officer, so Timothy is to receive this charge from the Apostle Paul. Paul is issuing an all-important charge to Timothy and to all pastors in the history of the church. I charge you to preach the word. Secondly, notice Paul heightens the seriousness even more by charging Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And so Paul is invoking God as his witness in giving this charge. It's as if he's saying, Timothy, with God the Father... And God the Son, as my witness, I charge you to preach the word. Paul is reminding Timothy that God is present as Paul is giving this charge. And God is present as Timothy is receiving this charge. Timothy cannot escape this reality. He can't downplay this responsibility. He cannot overlook this charge because God is watching Timothy's response. And God is watching the rest of Timothy's ministry. Paul may be gone soon, but God is always there. And so he charges Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ. And then third, Paul doesn't stop there. He continues to make this an extremely serious charge by reminding Timothy of who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus who I'm giving you this charge in the presence of? Paul says Jesus is to judge the living and the dead. Jesus will judge sinners who need to hear God's word. And Jesus will judge preachers based on their faithfulness and the content of their 
preaching. Fourth and finally notice Paul says, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. So not only is Jesus coming to judge, he is coming again to establish his eternal kingdom. Timothy, preach the word in light of the second coming of Jesus. Timothy, preach God's word in light of Revelation chapter 19 and the coming of our king in glory and power. And so it's as if Paul is turning up the volume on this charge. It's as if he's increasing the voltage and importance of this charge. With each phrase, Paul is making this more and more serious. Nowhere else in Paul's writings does he introduce a command with this much fire. This is an extremely important command. This is Paul saying, if you don't hear anything else I say, Timothy, hear this. Your task is to feed God's people with God's word. Preach the word. The stakes cannot be any higher when we think about the preaching of the word of God in the gathering of the local church. Now, This command is primarily directed toward those who preach and teach God's word in the church, to pastors and to elders. However, we cannot overlook the fact that this command is intended to benefit the congregation as a whole. So this is not just a private letter that was only sent for Timothy's eyes never to be read again. No, by the very fact that it's included in the canon of Scripture, we can definitively say that God intended this charge to benefit, to be heard by the entire church. God intended this charge to pastors to be heard by the entire congregation. And so while the the primary application is to me this morning and to all those who are called to declare God's word... This command also has massive implications for all church members, for all of God's people who would gather. This charge, this command reminds us that the reason we gather is to feast on God's word proclaimed. And if the preacher is to preach God's word, we are all to have the responsibility to be there to receive God's word proclaimed. If the preacher is to preach God's word, then God's people are to gather in order to hear and receive and obey the preached word. So let's think about what this passage says about why we need to hear the word preached week by week. Why is it that we need to hear God's word proclaimed? And so let me highlight three points that Paul makes in this passage as to why It is that we need, that our spiritual health is dependent on the preaching of God's word. Number one, we need to hear the word preached because it is God's word. We need to hear the word preached because it is the word of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. It is the voice of God that his people long to hear. True believers have within us a hunger to hear God's word proclaimed. We won't settle for stories and jokes and fluffy motivational speeches. Christians demand their preachers preach God's word because it is God's word. 
Notice how Paul surrounds this command to preach the word with these clarifying comments about what he means by the word. Paul, what word do we preach? Well, notice chapter 3, verse 15. Paul calls God's word the sacred writings that are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. Notice chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. But could it be any clearer? Could Paul say it any more clear? The Bible is the breath of God. The scripture is the voice of God speaking to his people. The Bible is God's word. It doesn't just contain God's word. It is God's word. It is from God's mouth. It is his breath. When he speaks, he speaks through his word. The Bible is God's word. Both Old and New Testaments are inspired by God and thus authoritative as the word of God. And so here's the primary contents of Christian preaching. The, the Christian preacher preaches the God-breathed Word of God that has Jesus at its center. We preach the Word, not our opinions, not cute stories, not cultural trends, not pop psychology, not politics, not useful life hacks. We preach God's Word in Christ, in His Gospel, in the Scriptures. So friends, the implication for all of us is that we need to be good listeners of the word preached. When the God-breathed word is declared, we should feast our souls on it. We need to hear it because it is God's word. It is the truth we long, we hunger to hear. Secondly, we need to hear the word preached because it is profitable for us. We need to hear the word preach because it's, it's profitable to our souls. Notice again what Paul says about the usefulness of God's word in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, beneficial, if you will, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So like a healthy and nutritious and delicious dinner, God's word nourishes us so that we can be complete, so that we can be mature, so that we can be equipped for all of the good works that God has prepared us for. God knows what is best for his church and thus he tells his representatives to preach his word faithfully, to preach the word that is profitable for teaching and correction and training in righteousness. God has not asked his under-shepherds to be creative and come up with the message that they think people need to hear. God has not asked pastors to go out into the community and poll the members of the community to see what the people think they need to hear. Now, God has made the health of his church dependent upon the proclamation of his word to his people. The preacher is to view himself like a mailman. Right? A mail carrier has a very important job. He is to faithfully deliver the mail. His job is not to write the letters. His job is not to open the mail and alter the content of the mail. His job is to deliver the mail. I mean, just imagine... 
You catch your mailman on your front porch and he hands you a letter and it's all ripped open. And you ask him, what happened to it? And he says, well, I went ahead and opened it and made a few adjustments and additions and corrections to the content of that letter. What would you do? You would say, that's not your job. I don't need you to make adjustments to the mail. I need you just to deliver the mail as it is. I think there's going to be a lot of preachers who stand before God one day, and instead of the well done, good, and faithful servant, they're going to hear, that wasn't your job. I didn't need you to make adjustments to my message. I charge you with faithfully proclaiming my word, and you did everything but that. As the word is faithfully proclaimed to God's people, notice the effect, notice the result that will be when God's word is proclaimed to God's people. God's people will be equipped for every good work that God has called us to. Everything God has prepared for us, the word makes us complete and whole and mature so that we can do those good works. We need to be rebuked, we need to be corrected, and we need to be trained in righteousness. And God says, that happens through the preaching of His Word. And so the implication for all of us is that we won't be equipped for every good work if we don't hear the Word proclaimed. We won't profit from the preaching of the God-breathed Word if it's not central when we gather. The preaching of God's Word is healthy for us, and thus we're to long for it, thus we're to look forward to it, and we're to feast ourselves on it. Here's the third reason I see that we need to hear the word preached. Number three, we need to hear the word preached because it will guard us from danger. We need to hear the word preached because it will guard us from danger. So notice why Paul charges Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He gives us the reason. Why preach the word in season and out of season? Paul says, because or for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And what will be the effect of that? Verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so Paul charges Timothy to preach the word because people will not endure sound teaching. Timothy preached the word because there's coming a day when people are going to turn away from sound teaching. And they're going to just accumulate for themselves teachers that just support the things they already know and want to hear. Notice how messed up this logic is according to many preachers today. Many preachers don't preach the word because they want to suit the itching ears of people precisely because those people don't want to hear the word. They say, if people want to listen, if I want people to listen to me, I must give them what they want to hear. But Paul says the opposite of that. Even if they don't want to hear it, give it to them anyway because it's what they need. Even if they turn away from it, even if they gather for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, preach the word because it's what they need, Timothy. It's what they need. Notice in verse 4 what Paul says is the result of turning away from word-saturated preaching. What will happen? You will turn away from the truth and you will wander off into myths. In other words, you will abandon the truth of the gospel. The effect 
of turning away from word-centered preaching is that you would wonder in the midst, you would turn away from the gospel, you would abandon God's truth. So we're to preach the word faithfully because we live in a day and age when no one wants to hear the word. Preach it because no one wants to hear it and they need to hear it. Everyone wants their ears tickled by jokes and stories and clever inspirational quotes. And all of us are in danger of shutting our ears to God's word and turning away from the truth. And so how do we endure? What is God's appointed means to preserve his bride in the truth? It is through the faithful exposition of the scripture, through the feast of God's word that is laid before us week in and week out. Think about the danger to your physical body if you decided to eat only junk food. If all you ate was ice cream and cake, it would feel kind of good for a while, wouldn't it? But over time, your body would begin to shut down because of lack of nutrition. And so it is with preaching that only tickles our ears and doesn't feed us God's truth. It might seem inspiring for a while, It might seem really tasty for a moment, but over time, you're going to be a famished Christian. You're going to be a famished soul. And that's why the preaching of God's word must be central. When we gather as God's people, we need to feast on the bounties of God's word. We need to feast on the nutritious and delicious food that God has prepared for us. Only it will keep us from turning away from the truth in Jesus. We need to hear God's word proclaimed week by week. It is the feast that God has designed to nourish our souls. Now let me close by giving you five practical encouragements based on what we see here in 2 Timothy 3 and 4. Consider these maybe tips to get the most out of the meal that God has prepared for us each Sunday. So I'm kind of giving you the menu here. We gather each week to to feast on the the delights, to feast on the the truth, the nutrition. But but let me step back and give you a little bit of the the menu that that might orient you to getting the most out of this meal. That might orient us to getting the most nutrition each and every week that we can possibly get. Here are five practical encouragements. Number one, come on Sundays expecting God to speak. This is so simple, but so helpful. When you come on Sundays, come expecting God to speak to you. Think about it. If you had scheduled a phone call with a very famous person this coming week, you would be anticipating that. You would be looking forward to that. It would be highlighted on your calendar. And so it should be with the preaching of God's word. It's not just another sermon to sit through. God is speaking. God is speaking. And we should eagerly anticipate hearing His voice. This is is one of the reasons, for those of you who are members and regular attenders, this is one of the reasons that I send out an email every week, usually on Thursdays, that at the very least, if it doesn't have anything else in the email, it at least has the sermon text for the upcoming Sunday sermon. 
The reason I send that out is because I hope that you will read and meditate on that passage sometime before we gather so that you can be as ready as possible to receive the truth of God's word. So that you can be as ready as possible to hear his voice as he speaks to you through his word. So I just think there's a big difference between the experience of a person who comes on Sunday expecting God to speak and the person who comes thinking it'll just be another random Sunday. Pray for God to speak throughout the week. Pray for those who are preaching. Come hungry when you come. Come expecting that you are going to be changed by the power of the word of God. Secondly, second practical application, listen to preaching as an act of worship. Listen to preaching as an act of worship. See, some people have in their minds that singing songs to God is worship, and then we do something else when we transition to the sermon. The sermon is just another part of the service after we worship. But friends, listening to God's word proclaimed is an act of worship to the God who is worthy, to the God who has spoken to us. And so how we listen to his word proclaimed is a test of whether we really come to worship God or whether it's just some religious duty that we think we need to do by being here. So when you listen, friends, allow your emotions to be engaged and filled with God's truth. Allow your mind and your heart to feel the wonder of what God's Word says. Friends, when we listen, we should feel joy and wonder and awe and fear as we bend our ear to God's truth, as we bend our hearts to the truth of God. But listening to preaching is not primarily an exercise in learning new information. I want you to hear that. I think this makes a difference. Preaching is not primarily about imparting new information. That's not its primary goal. Praise God that it does that as well. So this isn't a seminar or a conference breakout session. The primary preaching, the primary purpose of preaching is worship. As we hear God's word proclaimed, we are moved to praise him for who he is. Because one of the ways that we say, God, I'm fully submitted to you is by listening to his word and seeing how we can apply it and and massage it into our own hearts and lives. So listen to preaching as an act of worship to the greatness and glory of God. Third, check what the preacher says with the Bible. Check what the preacher says with the Bible. One of the best questions you can ask as you listen to sermons is, where did the preacher get that from? Where did he get that from? This is what the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Here's what it says. I love this. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They received the word with all eagerness. We've already talked about that. Come with eagerness. Come expecting. And they did so examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so, friends, you've got to bring your Bible when you come. Bring your Bible. Follow along in the Bible as you hear preaching. The preacher's job is to show you where his points come from in the text. Can I just tell you one one of my pet peeves? And I, I know there are different types of, of preaching, and there, there's not this like one certain type these days. This is the most faithful preaching, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when I go to church or I'm listening to a preacher, and I open up my Bible, and he mentions a passage or something, and he never again 
points to or references anything in the scripture. It's like, I want to know where you're getting that from. Like, show me what God has shown you so I can see it too. Point me to the words and phrases and scriptures and verses of the scripture. And friends, if a person is preaching God's word, it will be clear that his main point comes from the main point of the text of scripture. Like, be discerning. Be critical in a good way when you listen to preaching because ultimately it's the entire congregation's job to guard the truth of the gospel and to correct false teaching. It's all of our jobs to correct false teaching and preserve and guard the truth of the gospel. It's why the church is called the pillar and buttress of the truth. We uphold the truth as we correct that which is wrong and we embrace that which is true and solid and right. Number four, be physically present when the sermon is preached. Be physically present when the sermon is preached. Now, this is a modern application because we live in a day and time where we can listen to any preacher we want to through podcasts and live streams and audio sermons. Friends, good preaching is easily accessible and let's thank God for that let's thank God it's a good gift from him that we can listen to some of the greatest preachers who who are living today and I think we should do that through the week when you're exercising when you're washing dishes when you're driving in the car that's a great thing to do but I need you to hear that nothing can replace the week by week faithful preaching in a local church again Preaching is not just an information transfer. The sermon is a moment. This is a moment. It's an experience that is designed to be for this particular gathering, for for this expression of gathering as a local church. You see, when we all sit here at the same time, in the same place, and hear the same sermon, something unique happens that cannot happen if you're just listening to the sermon on your own. When we all hear the same sermon at the same time, we are immediately accountable for what we hear. We, we, we're here together. We've just heard God speak to us from his word, and therefore we can now help each other apply it and obey it. We can now help recall to mind and help others remember what it is that we heard God speak. And so the preached word shapes us corporately. It shapes us as a church. It's supposed to reverberate through our relationships with real people in the context of the body of Christ. A few years ago, I shared a J.C. Ryle quote. It was actually the very first Sunday of the year in 2020, so almost two years ago. And it landed on me like a ton of bricks. And I mean, it has has served me over these past couple years after I read it. And so... Some of you may remember this. If you heard it two years ago, I hope you remember it. But this may be the first time for a lot of you to hear this quote. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me. This is J.C. Ryle. He says, We shall all do well to remember the charge of the apostle. Forsake not the assembling of you together as the manner of some is. Hebrews 10, 25. And then he says, Never to be absent from God's house on Sundays without good reason. Never to miss the Lord's Supper when administered in our own congregation. 
never to let our place be empty when means of grace are going on. This is one way to be a growing and prosperous Christian. And then he says, the very sermon that we needlessly miss may contain a precious word in season for our souls. The very assembly of prayer and praise from which we stay away may be the very gathering that would have cheered and established and quickened our hearts. We little know how dependent our spiritual health is on little, regular, habitual helps and how much we suffer if we miss our medicine. We little know how much our spiritual health is dependent on the regular, habitual, week by week, hearing of God's word, feasting on the truth of God's word. And so Ryle says, don't let your place at the table be empty. The Father has good and nourishing food prepared for us every Sunday morning. And how offensive it must be to him when we would rather do something else than to leave and leave our seat empty at his table. Ryle says, don't let your medicine go to waste. Don't let the medicine that was intended for you be poured down the drain. God intends to heal and cheer our hearts Sunday after Sunday. And when we aren't here, it's as if God just poured that medicine in the grass. Church, I freely admit that I'm not the most interesting preacher to listen to. I'm thankful that we have Landon and others here. I get to listen to good preaching every now and then. We don't play movie clips in our sermons. I'm not funny. I don't tell stories. But friends, I promise my goal every Sunday is to feed us on the truth of God's word together. The goal is to feed us on the truth of God. And sometimes we have steak and sometimes we have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But the goal, friends, is to nourish us week after week so that we grow strong, so that we grow mature, so that we are equipped for every good work that God has called us to. Be present when the word is preached on Sundays. Fifth and finally, obey whatever God says immediately. Obey whatever God says immediately. James 1.22 says, Do not be mere hearers of God's word, but be doers of the word. And so friends, it's not enough to merely hear Bible-saturated preaching. We must actually obey God. The purpose of preaching is not to entertain us, but equipping us for every good work. Friends, the devil loves to hear God's word proclaimed and for us to think of to ourselves, wow, that was, that was good. I wish so-and-so was here. Now, what are we going to eat for lunch? The devil loves when God's word just goes straight through us and doesn't land on us and change our lives. Friends, at the very least, every sermon, including this one, calls us to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus again and again and again. Even if there's not additional applications or five ways to apply this, the application is always keep trusting, keep worshiping, don't give up on Jesus. And so to hear God's word preached and not obey it is worse than not hearing God's word at all. So may God give us ears to hear and hearts to obey his word.
So how, how are you going to obey God right now in response to his word? How are you going to obey the truth of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through chapter 4, verse 4? Maybe from this passage, God is calling some men in our church to think about devoting themselves to preaching God's word. That's the primary application of this passage. Obeying that call would mean devoting yourself to some training and intentional discipling. I'd love to talk to you about that, but that might be something God is doing in you, in your hearts. We would encourage that. Or maybe from this passage, the application to you is to adjust your perspective on preaching. If you have a low view of what's happening on Sunday mornings during the sermon, God from this text is calling you to adjust that, repent of that low view, and begin viewing preaching as essential to your growth, to your health, to your equipping, to your maturing. Or maybe from this passage you realize that you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the best way to apply this passage is to put your faith in Jesus alone for your salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So I pray that God is at work in you through his word, awakening that faith, giving you that faith, that you might trust in Jesus alone for your salvation. Whatever God is calling you to do, let's obey him now. Father, we thank you that you are our father. And just like a good father does, you feed us. You provide for us. Forgive us for so often thinking your provision is insufficient when you have provided everything we need for life and godliness and growth and equipping in your will. Lord, we thank you for your, your breathed out word. We thank you for your inspired and infallible word that, that feeds us. We thank you that we can trust your word, that it is your word. We pray, speak, O oh Lord, your servants are listening. Every Sunday when we gather in this room, that's the heart cry. Lord, speak. We want to hear you. We want to know you. We want you to reveal yourself to us. Speak, O oh God. Your servants are listening. And O oh Lord, would you allow the power of your word to change us. Break the hardness of our hearts, O oh God. And help us to receive your word, your word that's implanted in us, that it might bear fruit a hundredfold for your glory. Oh God, find the ground of our, of our heart to be good soil that receives your word and bears fruit for your glory. We thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you for the ways you've used the preaching of your word to benefit and bless this church for so many decades. God, we pray that it would continue until Jesus comes. Thank you for the firm foundation we have in your word. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you, for you are worthy. We thank you in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.